I'm going to take a one-minute intermission. Okay, you do that, sir. I'm just going to sit here and talk about... Um, wow, this is just me and the viewer. Man, viewer, you know, I hope that you're just doing amazing. And I hope that the weather outside, if you're in Bloomington, has just, you know, been lovely. And you have just taken every advantage of everything that you could possibly do outside. Uh, I personally poured some uh, coffee, or not coffee, just water, in a hot, you know, coffee pot out of my window today. And then I looked over to my left and I saw all the sorority girls look at me kind of funny. And I thought to myself, hmm, this is quite the pickle I'm in. I must, I just need to not look at them. And so I just looked the other way and hoped that they didn't care. So that's what I did today. That's a little, you know, Monday anecdote. Hope this, uh, I hope this gets cut out because, uh, I don't know how many people I want to know that, but you know what, Zachary, as you're listening to this, you you make that decision. You make that choice. Man, this is like having a, a therapist, honestly. Okay. Hey, there he is. Did you give me a bunch of material to use as the intro or something? Definitely. Nope. Didn't. Nope. Didn't do that at all. I don't know if I can do that joke twice in a row. Maybe, maybe the joke would get stale if I did it. I don't know. We'll think about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll think about it. On episode 19, we teased the listeners by telling them about a time when you met Selena Gomez, and we didn't have time to talk about the entire story. So very briefly, could you explain what the entire story was as continued from episode 19, My Memory is a Goldfish? So when I was younger, when I was very young, when I was a young lad of probably 10 to 12-ish, I had an unadulterated big old crush on selena gomez fair enough and if you're from my generation then you know her from wizards of waverly place and then she's obviously had a successful music career but back in the day i was as they say smitten with her i one day i remember i looked on i was on the internet for some reason and i was like i saw that she was coming to the indianapolis state fair i knew that my dad would probably say no but i was like hey can we go to this and then to my surprise he said yes and i was like are you serious? (laughs) And then we ordered the uh, tickets that day. Uh, And that was probably in the springtime. So around summertime is when we went and we just had tickets to the show. We did not have backstage passes, nothing like that. Um, And so we were just looking around at one of the exhibits at the fair. And I remember my dad got a call um, and one of his friends was working security for Selena. And his buddy called me or called my dad and said, hey, if you're not doing anything, because he knew that we were there. He said, if you're not doing anything, a couple of people that were supposed to be here bailed and she's got some extra time if you'd like to come meet her. And he told me that and I freaked out (laughs) internally. And then I and then I continued to freak out the whole time we were walking there. Uh, And then we got there and I, I remember I walked down this long hallway and I could see her. And I just, I don't think as, you know, a nine-year-old, 10-year-old kid, that was, I think, the most nervous I had ever been in my entire life up to that (laughs) point. And I remember I was in this line and then I got up to her and she asked me what my name was and I said, Joe. And then she, (laughs) she like put her arm around me, but because I was 10 years old and awkward, I didn't know if I should put my arm around her. So I just kind of like let it float. Like I I let it float behind her and didn't touch her. It was this because of course she was taller than me at the time because I was 10. So in the picture, there's a little, you can see a little like 
protrusion on the side of her opposite of me and that's my finger and it's just floating there (laughs) and so yeah I mean I got the picture and I will never forget that as long as I live and it was a great time and now I can say that I've hugged Selena Gomez so there you go that's such a wholesome story I'm not gonna lie it's it's very wholesome and yeah and that that goes back to the whole life archival thing now you have that picture to enjoy and hopefully you've scanned it and backed it up as well in case the entire room goes down in flames actually i don't (laughs) i don't know if i've scanned it (laughs) that's your homework joe (laughs) i'm gonna do that uh no yeah that and and i love it because it's like i don't know it's just a good memory with my dad a good memory at the fair um and the rest of the day might not have been perfect but like that that's what i remember you know so it was a great day Good times. I've met a celebrity. Not a big deal. Don't worry about it. You know, what's whatever. (laughs) I think I might have mentioned this before. I only know Selena Gomez from Ramona and Beezus and then maybe a couple of her songs. Although I'm sure there are songs like you'd be walking through the mall and you'd know them if you hear them. But yet I'm not exactly sure what the titles are or what any of the lyrics are. Yep. She's been doing, I think, more of like the Spanish singing recently. She has. As all the cool kids do. I can't say that I'm a fan of her now. I not for any particular reason. I just kind of fell off. Um, but her older stuff, I think I bought the songs on iTunes and listened to them very frequently, um, as you did in those days. So that, yeah, is, she was definitely part of my childhood, but I, I, I'm not, I don't really listen to her anymore. I know a few of her songs, but that's about it. Back in the old days, we were total animals. You had to pay eighteen ninety nine for an entire album. It's like music used to be so expensive. You paid $18 for an entire album or $19 for an entire album. That's the only album you got. You got no other albums from that from that artist and you had better enjoy it and listen to it over and over because (laughs) ouch that 99 cents for a single kind of hurts honestly so listen to it 99 times to get your money's worth yep and nowadays you can listen to everything right away no matter what and even if it's not on spotify just go to youtube and have have a nice time listening to it for free Exactly. It's so crazy. You're so right. It used to be more expensive and less versatile because like you said, you would literally, I mean, look, everybody listening to this remembers this, but it's just crazy for us to reminisce because it's like you'd literally have to pay for every song and then you could only listen to that song. And now the amount of money that people used to spend a month on just buying songs and albums is so much more than what you just pay for you know ten dollars a month apple music or spotify i remember listening to radios like pandora was my thing uh i think beats had a music service and i like did the free trial every month and made a new email account because it didn't check it. <laughs> it it's crazy to reminisce on stuff that wasn't even 10 years ago as you know i have a great love for zed especially classic zed back when he was really good mm-hmm. he's he's good now don't get me wrong but i feel like he was better in the olden days and i want to say there was a new album of his that was coming out and it was like a deal where it's coming out tomorrow, but you can listen to some of the songs on Pandora or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had heard a lot of the songs already somehow, but I wanted to hear a very specific one. So I think I, what I did is I just was pressing skip, skip, skip over and over until I heard, could hear the song I wanted to hear, <laughs> blasting through all the ads and stuff. And then once I listened to that song, okay, let me skip, skip, skip a million times and maybe there's like a cool down period or something. But basically, I just used Pandora as a way to brute force. I don't think I knew about YouTube back then, but I used it to just brute force the exact song I wanted to listen to. Good times. Uh, good times back in, you know... 2013 and 14 yeah now pandora's pretty much dead unfortunately yeah it is unless it's like classical music for the background but even then spotify and apple music have probably got you covered on the classical music front they've literally got everything so although i use spotify not apple music because if spotify is much better change my mind yeah spotify is much better oh good okay <laughs> no there are there are many points in which apple <laughs> wins in my book and there are many points which apple loses a lot in my book and music is one of them and i'm not sure why i think part of the reason spotify is successful is because it came first but even then 
you have to admit that Spotify must be really good for people with iPhones to turn away from the built-in option that Apple repeatedly sends you advertisements for and repeatedly wants you to sign up for. It must be good if it can beat the built-in solution on millions and millions of iPhones. If you're willing to turn it away, it has to be good. Yep. For a while, the argument was like, oh, it's dark mode. That's why people like it. And then Apple Music gained a dark mode. And I'm honestly not 100% sure why it's good at the moment. It might be because it literally works on every device. And Apple Music is pretty segmented to Apple devices. Yes, I think that's that's huge. It's a rare case of so let's let's take Snapchat and Instagram, right? Instagram stole stories from Snapchat. <laughs> and yet I remember when it came out, everybody was like, What? Like, this is like, don't use it, like, you know, whatever. And I was that way for a while. I was like, this is not okay. Why would they steal? But then all of a sudden, it, the the new thing just dwarfs the old thing and nobody really in, in my opinion not a lot of people use snapchat anymore especially for stories so but it's a rare instance of when another company comes along to cop what spotify was doing spotify is still very successful and i i think that people love them because they feel like the underdog again like you said it works on samsung it works on it works on literally everything unlike apple music i think for a lot of people they've been there for years they have their playlists and it costs a bunch of money to transfer them and then you got to get used to the system so i think for a lot of people they're staying because they've been there forever um and honestly if there was an easier way to transfer to apple music i might think about it but i just i'm so used to spotify i love it so much so that's that's my reason for staying at least yeah, and they've really got people with the playlist lock in because you have, I feel like there are a lot of people I know who have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of playlists and have fun getting those to transfer neatly to Apple Music. And what if they, Apple Music doesn't have some of those songs on the platform as well? And yeah, Spotify hopefully doesn't go anywhere because otherwise you lose all of your progress <laughs> over years and years of making songs. Yep. I would hope they would offer in that event that they did that, they would offer like, I literally just give me a text file. Just tell me, make a subheading with every single playlist and then make there be bullet points of every single song and artist because like that's better than nothing. I guess maybe you could you could take a bunch of quick screenshots or something if you had to. But yeah, I hope that Spotify never goes anywhere because I don't want to remake everything. I would totally agree. I think I have... So my biggest playlist has almost 800 songs on it, and I have, <laughs> I have, I believe, I I want to say over 50 playlists. To rein that back a little bit, I only really use about seven at a time, like just depending on what interests me at the current moment. Some of them, I, I do this thing also, uh, follow me on Spotify if you don't, but... <laughs> Link in the show um, Yeah, right? I do this thing where I... Uh, for my room number for the year of which of college that I'm in. So last year I was in the room 205 at CSF. And so I had a playlist for that and I just added songs I was listening to. And so now it's kind of a cool thing because I can go back and like sonically have a representation of what last year looked like. And I'm doing the same thing this year. I'll do the same thing for the next two years of college. And I also, I, I do like artist focused songs. So like just one artist, I'll binge them and just like, let's take, you know, take what I like. Uh, my sister does the thing where she like does monthly. So she like, she's got a playlist for every month of every year since like 2018 or something, which is a, a very cool. It, it's cool to keep track of time that way. But I also understand the um, productivity of just having a few, even 20, just like that you like and delete the ones you don't. So I, I understand both perspectives. The longest playlist I have is called Currently Listening, and it is 277 songs slash 18 hours. This one doesn't really count because all it is is I dump albums that I want to listen to at some point there, and then I'll very slowly make my way through. <laughs> There's no organization. <laughs> no, that's okay. And that's like, that's a part of what makes it so cool. And again, I'm sure you could get this on Apple Music, but... I just, I feel like there's so much you can do and so many routes you can take. Like for me, 
I didn't really pay attention to my the way that my playlists looked until like last year. Uh, my brother did, and I was like, oh, I can make it aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> it's only recently that I started actually caring about how it looks, and so now I've got playlists the way I want them in different moods and different, atm- you know, stuff like that. I just love that aspect of it and how you can really do whatever you want, and I, I don't know. I just love it. Yeah, usually I won't shuffle my playlist, so I had a playlist that was shared with both my brothers, and I don't remember exactly what it was called, but basically every week I would switch it out with songs I thought they might like, and I would try to think about, okay, what's a good starter song? Because it's like, if you think about, from my days doing, you know, close-up magic and card magic, this is a thing that's holds true for bands as well, which is that you should always start with your second strongest and end with your strongest. Start with your second strongest because you want to bring people in and get them to stay. Then you can put not the bad stuff in the middle, but maybe the slower or less interesting stuff in the middle. It's still good. Still like the good meat and potatoes. It's just not going to stop the show. And then end with the best thing. Leave them wanting more. And then don't leave them bored. Leave them wanting more. So I think you should put your second best song at the very front and then your best song at the very end and then all the other stuff in a semi-logical order in the middle. I tried to make it sort of flow like electronic would sort of flow into like some acoustic and some electronic, which would flow into acoustic, which would flow into pop with guitar because the last one had guitar. And then just hope they don't shuffle and ruin all your hard work at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. That's a number one. That's a very good insight for bands. I, I, I think I could have realized that subconsciously but you saying that is a very like i'm going to keep that in mind for a long time now so thank you for that and number two i i think most of my playlists there is no particular order so like i just add them in the in the order that i find them although i i guess i've never really experimented with like ordered playlists so i think i might do that that sounds really cool yeah i think there are a lot of people that just literally put album after album after album on playlists which i sometimes do and then that actually works pretty well if you're always going to shuffle because it just doesn't matter but if you're always planning to listen like i have a playlist i listen to in the morning when i start working i always listen to it in the exact same order if i didn't things would probably feel kind of confusing because i'd be starting with the wrong song and my brain would get confused Hmm. it's a fairly new-ish playlist and i don't think i've ever gotten to the songs at the end that's kind of the whole point. You start with this song that trains your brain to get get ready to work and then helps you focus and then turn it off after a while. But playlists are cool. Make playlists, everybody. Playlists are cool. Follow us on Spotify. I don't even know what my name on Spotify is. I think it's just Joe Dernal. <laughs> what is your name on Spotify? I think it's just Joe Dernal. Your name is Joe Dernal. Is that your actual username? How'd you get... Well, I guess you sign up early for everything. You got the good usernames on a bunch of platforms, and I signed up way too late for them and got tra- trash usernames that are complete garbage. Look, what I what I originally had, this is sort of embarrassing, which is why I changed it. <laughs> it was your mom 141 and they recently like changed it so that you can change your name, and so I did that. Kind of begrudgingly because I was like, well, this is kind of a part of who I am. And then I changed it and I was happy about it. So it's whatever. If you search your mom 141 on Spotify, it shows Joe Dernal. Does it really? <laughs> That's not your username, but it still recognizes that the two are somehow linked. <laughs> wow. Everybody search your mom 141 on Spotify. Do it now. <laughs> you can't hide from your old mistakes, Joe. Dang They're it. always going to haunt you. The internet never forgets. Nope. If you find yourself curious as to what I personally listen to, go, you can look at my 204 playlist, and that is everything that I'm currently listening to in order from the start of the semester to right now, to the present. Just in case you're curious, that's that's what that is, so there you go. All my music is really strange, and I don't think people would like it. <laughs>
Oh, and, and sometimes Carter tells me about all the cool music that I need to be listening to, and then I start listening to it. But I'm still on a bunch of like random stuff from 2010. I haven't really moved on musically. That's why I was kind of talking about, like, oh, all these kids, they're singing in Spanish now. That's what it takes to be popular in the music industry. Back in the good old days. We can talk about that someday. The, uh, uh, what is that called? Juvenoia. The power of perception on the past. But we'll do that later. That's a tease. Oh, yeah. Is that like the Vsauce thing where your mind does weird things in the past? So you remember it in a way that's super different from what actually happened? Basically, it's just you remember the past is better than it was. And that's the whole that a 24 minute video summed up in two seconds. <laughs> and thankfully for the people who grew up during the Great Depression, that is true. Otherwise, they would be messed up right now. They would be hiding in their basement, hoarding potatoes and bottles of water and not leaving out, not leaving and just <laughs> sort of out of their mind at that point. But thankfully, your brain conveniently deletes all of the bad stuff. Exactly. So we'll definitely link that in the show notes, but uh, we can talk about it at a later date. Well, Zachary, you know, one thing I, I sometimes enjoy listening to on my Spotify is soundtracks from the old DreamWorks movies that we had talked about, about Joseph and Moses. And I believe that you have watched one of them. So why don't you tell us what you thought? I did my homework and I watched both of them. <gasps> what? That's amazing. <laughs> Two weeks ago is when it happened. I think I have seen these before, but honestly, all the things I saw when I was little, I consider myself to be, when I was little, I was really stupid and didn't really get any of the jokes and didn't have any clue what was going on. I was just like, ha ha, characters go talk, talk, ha ha. And I didn't really understand anything that ever happened when I was watching stuff when I was young. So for that reason, even if I go back and watch VeggieTales, I'll get a lot more out of it, for example. And then I'll be like surprised, like, wait, that joke was in there the whole time. I never understood. Anyway, so for that reason, I'm considering this to be basically my first watch through, even though I'm sure I've seen it at some other point in life. I do like what it says about the disclaimers about artistic license. You know, we're not trying to be disrespectful here. We're trying to show it as accurately as we can. Anything we change, sorry about that, but we tried to stay true to it. I, I kind of thought that was a good disclaimer and a good way of going about it so that people didn't like, you know, in 20 years, let's cancel Joseph King of Dreams, you know, get this, get this out of here. Anyway, very smart on DreamWorks part. Good job. Mm -hmm. That being said, I noticed some differences from the original Bible story. For example, for Joseph King of Dreams, they sort of made the addition that Potiphar did not believe his wife when she made accusations against Joseph. And it sort of seemed like he felt bad for dismissing Joseph and wanted to like help him out, even though he did have to go to prison, which is, doesn't happen in the Bible. But I, honestly, I kind of liked that spin on it because for all we know, that did happen in the Bible. In my head canon, he knew his wife was a little bit sketchy. Yeah. Honestly, in the beginning, Joseph seemed annoying and I almost thought he kind of deserved to be sold into slavery. Because if you read the Bible story, Joseph seems really innocent and nice and, oh, who could ever hate poor Joseph? But in this movie, he seemed really annoying and spoiled in the introduction. And so in that sense, he was different from the Bible version because he was, you know, really rubbing it into his brothers that he had all these dreams. And then his dad was just letting him go and read books all day while they were toiling in the hot sun. So anyway, it's like, you shouldn't do it. But I see where you're coming from that you want to sell him into slavery. Yep. They turned yep. up the dial on Joseph annoyingness so that it wasn't like this huge gasp betrayal that he had to be sent off to slavery, which was funny. And so I think my favorite song, even though it was maybe not objectively the best but I really liked the song when they were coming into Egypt. It was called Marketplace, I think the song is. It was like obviously sad because all these people are slaving away, wasting their entire life. But it was also somewhat catchy and had a good beat to it. Yeah. 
And of course, the other song talking about give more than you take. That's a good message. We should all strive to give more than we take. That's how the world gets better. If everyone takes stuff, then that's no good. But if everyone gives back 105, then look, society's going to start going in the right direction. The very measure of your soul is at stake. You've got to give a little more than you take. How this one was animated was very, very 2D. There were a few 3D elements, but almost all, all 2D, which kind of reminded me of the original Batman series in the sense that a lot can be done with simple forms of animation. Your brain is just very willing to accept this is what the world looks like now, 2D characters and 2D backgrounds and everything for the time period and for the limited resources they had, they really did a lot with it. So it doesn't seem dated or bad or, or anything like that. It's just looks like a fun animated movie, something like what Disney would make. It just happens to be DreamWorks in this case. Which is kind of funny you say that because Joseph came out in 2001, I think, and Moses came out in 1998. Wait, what? Moses, it feel, felt like it had even more 3D elements to it. I know. Because I was positive that Moses came afterward because I was impressed by the greater amount of 3D and the more celebrity voice cast as compared to Joseph. That's what I would think too, but let me let me fact check myself. Hang on. Actually, I think you're right, but what happened is that Moses had done so well and they were sort of like, okay, big budget on Moses. Let's see if we can recreate some of the success. I want to say Joseph was straight to DVD, but let's check on Wikipedia. Yeah, I just looked it up. Moses was 98. Joseph was 2000, which, I mean, Moses, I think, was successful, but it might not have been as successful as they had hoped. Right. They wanted to do the same thing, but dumb the budget down for Joseph. But in my mind, I always thought that uh, Joseph came first, then Moses, because also that's how it is in the Bible. Like, Oh, yeah, duh. That's why I thought it was. Yeah. Chronology, basic time. And by the way, real-time follow-up, Joseph, King of Dreams, was directed to video so this was one that didn't have a ton of a budget it was just kind of a prequel and a spinoff and you know less budget equals less goodness in my opinion yep that made me think of the follow-up question which has joe seen joseph and the technical or dream coat by chance the musical i have not actually but i've heard good things about it and i've always wanted to try to watch it but i just never have i don't know what streaming service it's on but it's it's old maybe it's on youtube or something but yes, that's that's a classic. And that's that's a musical in the sense that there's no talking whatsoever. It's all music. I think there might be a few lines of dialogue, but literally the entire story of Joseph is told. And there's many styles of music, so you don't get bored. And again, this one's taking a lot of artistic license, but still. Okay, I definitely will. I will give it a shot. It sounds like it could be pretty good. If we ever get plays again after the apocalypse, if plays ever come back, it's worth watching as a play as well, because there's nothing quite like being in the same room as the people who are really good singers and really good performers. And that brings us to Moses and Moses is a lot better, <laughs> no question about it. There's better voice cast, honestly what I perceive to be a better story, more 3D animation, which I appreciate. I don't, maybe most people wouldn't really care, but I liked the the more 3D aspects of things. There were a lot of shots that I was like, actually very impressed by, because I was like, all right, 1998, you have limited technology, but this looks pretty good. I think this could be released today or close to today, and people wouldn't question it. They would just say, okay, you're choosing to make it more simplistic, but it, it doesn't look bad. It's not like a bug's life where you're just cringing away from like these terrifying 3D bugs that look like garbage. And it's not. And even Toy Story 1, yes, the story holds up, but it doesn't look amazing. Some of the things are kind of unintentionally terrifying, like the character designs. Anyway, it, it looks very good, no question about it. What's funny is that Jeff Goldblum's character honestly looked a bit like him, which I appreciated. And the voice of Ramses, and this is not necessarily canonical in the Bible, but what it was, was he grew up alongside Ramses, who is his adopted brother, and then the original Pharaoh, who has seemed perfectly nice, died. Ramses, his original brother, became the new Pharaoh, and he was the one who did not want to let his people go. So he's in the position of having to argue with his brother to let his people go. I don't think this is biblical. I think what really happened is it was just this random Pharaoh that he wasn't related to, and who cares? I mean, again, it's possible that could have been what happened, but the Bible does not bother 
to clear it up on that point. Anyway, his voice actor is the same actor as Voldemort, <gasps> who is, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but Ralph Fiennes, I think is how you pronounce his name. He played Voldemort, and before he got famous on Harry Potter, and he's just famous in general, but before he did Harry Potter, he also played Ramses, the evil guy, because his voice did sound super familiar. He's like, Harry Potter, you will come to me. <laughs> and then he just makes it a little bit less snake-like, but he just talks as an evil British pharaoh. Wow, I didn't realize that. But more and more, I'm seeing that actor in things, and I'm like, wow, that actor's pretty good. <laughs> he was in uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. I think he was in uh, The Dig recently on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's good. Oh, he was in Schindler's List. I haven't seen Schindler's List. Yes, the happiest movie but, uh, ever. Apparently. <laughs> Maybe I should check out some more of his movies. And that's another homework item. There's so many homework today. More media homework. <laughs> in conclusion, my review of it is they're both pretty good, although Moses is way better. Joseph, eh. I want to say like a 5.8 out of 10. Mm -hmm. And Moses, I would say like eh, 6.7 out of 10. Let's go there. The YouTube channel I was trying to think of a while back was Sassafrilis Productions. If you've ever seen it, he has a video where he ranks all of the DreamWorks movies. And honestly, I don't blame him. He believes that Moses is the best DreamWorks movie ever. It gets in, it gets out, it tells the story it wants to tell as great music actual budget actually somewhat of a budget yeah it gets the job done and is not the boss baby which is always a point for it no i totally agree and i think it would probably be my favorite as well just because like you said it's so beautiful in the way that it's animated um and the backgrounds and the symbolism and the storytelling and the voice acting and the music and like i love it i love it to death and i think i always will i think i would personally rate it at more of like a seven or an eight um joseph i would agree with you but i would i would rate moses at like more seven slash eight maybe 8.5 uh just because i love it so much and i think my favorite song from moses i don't know about yours but uh mine is uh i think it's called look at your life or through heaven's eyes or something oh yeah that one is pretty good it, oh my gosh it's so good <laughs> you must look at your life Look at your life through heaven's eyes. Uh, what's what's your favorite song? Can my favorite song be the score by Hans Zimmer? <laughs> like just the entire score in the background? Does that count? Is that a thing I can do? Yeah, that that's fine. I mean, did you have a favorite that was like a lyric song? Uh, the River Wallaby was good. It was sad. Yeah, the the one where they were playing in the palace was pretty good uh-huh what about the the song with dean martin and martin short as like the wizard people the wizard people what song is this well, are we watching the, the same movie <laughs> yeah they're uh they're the pharaoh's like dark arts people oh yeah that one actually was really good that was basically the lion king be prepared and that was basically just be prepared from the lion king It was, I thought it was great. I love that song. Um, but also I love the one about the plagues and I love the one about deliver us, you know, in the beginning anyway. Oh, never mind. Deliver us is the best. Never mind. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. Deliver Us is probably the best, in my humble opinion, and then the score by Hans Zimmer. If we were counting that as one long song, is the second best. There we go. Well, I'm glad that you liked them. I'm glad that you tried them. If you're out there and you're saying to yourself, man, I'd love to be in on this conversation and have an opinion, but I haven't seen the movies, 
I want you to stop listening to this podcast. We'll be here when you get back. But I want you to push pause right now. Well, not right now. Wait till I'm done telling you. But after you push pause, I want you to go and watch both of these movies. Do Joseph first so you have nothing else to compare it to. And then watch Moses. And and then I want you to come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. So three, two, one, pause it now. And if you're still here, I'm going to assume that you've seen it. So good job on you. Please, people. I can't force you to pause the podcast, but at least watch the free one on Netflix. Get your parents' Netflix account, log in, steal their password, Yes. watch Joseph, and then I don't care about Moses because you have to rent it. But honestly, it is worth renting because it's pretty good. I mean, if you have Peacock, it's on there. Yeah, if you're one of those cool people with Peacock <laughs> and we're not cool people with Peacock, we have to rent it like an animal. Yes. Well, my roommate has it, Jake. So uh, thanks, Jake, for that one. Appreciate you. He doesn't listen to this podcast. Podcast. so i can say whatever i want Wait. about him on here oh, no. oh my gosh <laughs> did he listen to his own episode oh i'm sure he listened to his own that narcissistic piece <laughs> of, i'm just kidding oh man yeah this is good this is going nowhere good i love you jake i love you so much feel free to edit this out if you uh find that necessary zachary nah this is all staying <laughs> in Speaking of things that are all staying in, a while back I talked about archiving my life. And of course, I always listen back to the episodes multiple times. I think I listen to each episode maybe four or five times by the time I'm done with editing and making sure everything is uploaded correctly and everything. And I'm forced to listen back to myself, not saying dumb stuff as much as doing a bad job explaining what my true intentions are. And then it just sounds like I'm a complete idiot. For life archiving, it really felt like I wasn't doing a good job explaining what I really wanted to do. And when I listened back, it sounded like, oh, Zachary has discovered taking pictures and videos. Have you heard the good news about taking pictures and videos? You should really do that sometime. <laughs> and that's not what it is. I know about taking pictures and videos, and I've done that for years. But it's a bit more in-depth than that. It's about going above and beyond taking pictures and videos. And as, as I said, archiving the music you make, any like, you know, websites you're on, maybe screenshot stuff. So when a website mysteriously disappears 10 years later, you have stuff stuff like that and making an effort to take photos and videos of things that wouldn't get photos and videos under normal circumstances. Of course, you're going to get your family vacation, stuff like your room, videos and pictures of stuff I was doing, like learning on drums or learning in life, just things that I would normally not bother to do because they're boring, but then they become exciting when you look back on them and then don't remember anything and you wish you could go back, but you can't. So I just wanted to clarify that it's not that I I discovered taking pictures and videos. It's that I discovered taking pictures and videos and all sorts of other notes about my life that wouldn't normally get taken. No, that makes sense. And and personally, I understood what you meant. But but yes, to clear up for the viewer, I, I'm, I'm sure that that was helpful. Um, and yeah, no, just to reiterate, I, I really do love that you're doing that. And I think that it's a really great idea because especially digitally, because I feel like the Internet and the way that we use it is similar to sort of like a desert and it's a shifting sand and once something is gone it's gone and you can't get it back when a website updates or a, a format changes or logos get re redone and and sometimes you can find screenshots but the way that you used it is gone forever yeah it's really the only thing i feel like is like that because even with like you know, the way cars change, right? Like you can buy an old car and fix it. You can buy old tech and fix it, but you can't use the internet in the way that you used it seven years ago because it just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, things update and things change. So I really think that it's a great idea for you to do that. So uh, just kudos to you once again on that one.
Speaking of things we're making an effort to do this year, we mentioned our yearly themes a while back. Mine is the year of growth, where I'm trying to do more with my life. Joe's is the year of novelty, where he's trying to introduce new things into his life. You honestly have more things to say about how yours is going. Mine isn't really as much kicked off as I would like it to be. So <laughs> tell us the few things in your life that have become novel and how they've been shaping out for you. Yeah, no, I, I well, and I want to say too, I, I don't, don't blame yourself for choosing something that is a little bit less uh, identifiable and what, what's the word um, that scientists use? Observable. That's what it is. Growth is very internal. That's all. Yeah, no, year of novelty has been good. I feel like it's already what well, it's March now, and I, I feel like I've grown quite a lot over the past couple of months, just intentionally doing things that are new. I flew by myself recently, which was a crazy decision. I flew down to Florida. Um, and, and went and saw my grandparents and my uh, brother was down there too. And, and, uh, you know, not that I wouldn't have done that normally, but I think that that's in my head when I was kind of weighing the options, I was like, Hmm, well, it is the year of new things and I've never flown by myself before. So that, that's another great reason to go. Um, and, and so stuff like that, I mean, everything from little stuff like, trying the weird beef stroganoff tonight at, at the house to the bigger things like, uh, you know, I'm trying coffee. I'm trying to learn to like coffee now. Um, and, and we can get into that. But uh, some of the things that, that this theme has kind of taken me through so far is that I'm trying to read more. Um, and I talked about this a little, you know, earlier this year. I read Slaughterhouse-Five in about a week just because it's a very short book. And if you haven't read that book, I'm telling you right now, I'm doing this again. Pause the podcast, go to your local bookstore slash Amazon and buy this book and read it. It's amazing. Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut, one of the best books I've ever read. Anyway... <laughs> now I'm reading Dune, which I think I talked briefly about, but now I'm about 550 pages in, so I'm, I'm getting close to being done. It's one of the most engrossing stories I've ever been a part of, I've ever experienced. I don't think I explained it very well last time I talked about it, so I'll just do a brief summary. Not summary, but just an explanation. The story of Dune takes place on the planet known as Dune, which is also called Arrakis. It's, it takes place in a world that is thousands and thousands of years uh, in the future from ours. Uh, space travel's a thing. Obviously, they're on different planets and, and such, so it's sort of similar to Star Wars in that way, except that the universe is ruled by sort of this feudal system where it's an emperor and barons and dukes and counts and, and, and things like that. And so, like in the olden days of England, you would get a plot of land from the king. In this world, you get a planet if you're like a high-ranking house, is what they call them. It's the story of a young man named Paul, uh, Paul Atreides of the Atreides house, and he kind of has some things happen to him. And it's a whole story. It's a whole... It, it's so... I think that the only thing... I've not read Lord of the Rings, um, although I want to after we talked to Jack last week. Uh, listen to that episode if you haven't. But it's very similar to Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, stuff like that, where it just kind of drops you in this universe where it feels like this universe exists by itself and has existed. And it's like so detailed and so... It's so weirdly detailed sometimes. It's just so... Uh, sometimes it takes a minute for me to get into it, but once I'm like there and ready for the story like I can't stop myself from uh turning the page I don't think I've ever experienced anything like it so the only drawback is that it is like a 700 page book almost 800 pages which is I think the longest book I've ever read but again it doesn't feel like that it, I'm, sometimes it feels like a slog obviously not everything is happy all the time but it's it's one of the most engrossing stories I've ever experienced. So that's my midway, you know, through review. I'm not going to give a final review because I don't want to spoil it, but I will say definitely read it. When the movie comes out later this year, we can, we can talk about it. But 
that has been going good. I, I think reading in general is has been very good uh, for me. And you know, but but as for novelty, I think, like I said, coffee and reading and you know, doing things that I would not normally do has pushed me. And for a second, it's uncomfortable because growth is just kind of uncomfortable when you first start it. But pain and uncomfortability are required for growth. So through doing new things, I feel like I'm becoming a more well-rounded person, which is sort of the whole goal is to just experience more things and to be, yeah, like I said, just a more well-rounded person. So that's been great. I know you were reading Narnia, but I think you said you finished that. Have you been reading anything? Oh, no, you're doing Harry Potter, right? Yes, still Harry Potter. Almost done with the Deathly Hollows. Then I'm going to suffer through the Cursed Child just to say I did. Oh. Because even though it's garbage, I want to just sort of read all of the official stuff. And then I'll move on to other stuff. Have you read the Cursed Child before? Yes, I have. And it's not very good because supposedly J.K. Rowling wrote it. But I think that some random like other people wrote it and she just sort of put her name on it to get free money. Okay. Gotcha. And it's not very good, and it sort of fundamentally breaks a lot of the things I like about the series. And so I don't consider it to be canon. I consider it to be complete fan fiction, and that's how I sleep at night. Gotcha, gotcha. Was that the same episode that was recorded in Florida, or was that you visiting them on Florida one other time? So today, when we're recording this, um, when it comes out, it'll be this Friday, but right now it's Monday, and my brother was down there for the past couple of weeks. And a week ago yesterday on Sunday, he asked me if I wanted to come down. And so we, I, I said yes. And we got a plane ticket for Wednesday. So um, I was down there from this past Wednesday all the way till we drove back uh, all day on Sunday yesterday. So it was a separate time from the last time I was in Florida. What types of coffee are you trying to like? And the reason I ask is because there's... A Christian comedian that we used to really like a lot as a family. I think we still do, although I'm not sure how much content he really puts out. His name is Tim Hawkins, and he had a had a whole piece about how his wife goes to Starbucks and she orders literally the following thing. This is his exact routine I'm ripping off right now. I want a tall, skinny, sugar-free, decaf, soy, vanilla latte, extra hot, whipped cream, double sleeve, no cup. That's the entire routine. Link in the show notes. Wow. And I assume that's not what you're trying to do. Although if you do want to do that, more power to you. Maybe that's part of the reason I've never tried coffee. Well, there's many reasons I've never tried coffee. But reason, like, five is that I don't want things to get too complicated in my life. So I just am over here eat, drinking water and sometimes water with ice on a, on a crazy weekend day if I'm feeling like I need to go, go out of this world. Yes. So that's honestly what I wanted to ask you about. That's a great point. To be 1,000% honest, I absolutely know nothing about, like, the extremities of the coffee community and the way that they can do things. I, I really don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know how it tastes. I've never tried it. But I, I know that I've had... Oh, maybe a latte. I don't know from Star. I don't know. It was mostly sweet. But the coffee that I make, what I try to do is I just try to put enough creamer in it to where I I can taste the bitter, but it's not overwhelming. And so I'm gonna try and get used to it. Now CGP Grey has a great <laughs> video about. That. I feel like we, we we quote him every single episode. They're making like a bingo card. Someone needs to have a college try bingo card, and then like this is it's almost a free space mention of CGP Grey. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, link in the show notes to this video, but it's about coffee and sort of the reasons why it's the greatest drug in the world because it is a drug um which is crazy but it almost has no downsides and so it, like my thinking is okay one of these days i'm gonna have to start getting up uncomfortably early and i'm gonna have to like 
do that even when I don't want to do that. And so I'm going to have to manufacture a happy, you know, very awake attitude when I do that. And so I figure why not just get used to coffee now while I can kind of like bear it and then later be okay with it. Um, now, one thing I, I, I dislike, I don't want to become addicted to it where like I can't stop and like I get headaches if I don't and I'm really, like, I don't want to do that. But I want it to be something that I can comfortably do and it helps me enough to where it's worth it. Um, so that's kind of my thinking. And, and plus, it makes me feel like an adult when I can drink coffee. So I like that too. And as far as like habits go, like we talked about this, like making it simple, making it easy. Like I don't add a lot. Um, and, and I've also made it fun for myself. My, my, when I was down in Florida this past week, my grandma gave me, um, this thing called a percolator, which it's really hard to explain unless you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's an old percolator. So basically you fill it up with water and it's got this uh, tube in the middle of it and the tube goes up all the way, but about midway Close to the top, it's got a like a basically like a little bowl with holes in the bottom and the top. And you take the top off and you put the coffee grounds in there, and then you put the top back on, and the tube comes up above the top of the bowl. And so what it does is when you plug it in, as it heats up, it starts to pull the water up from the bottom, and it lets it, it as it heats pulls the water up from the top bottom of the tube to the top, and then lets that flow through the holes in the bowl through the coffee grains back to the bottom and pulls it up again and it's super cool and and so like that like it's fun for me to make it as 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 much as it is like beneficial so I, i think that that that's huge for me personally um but I mean, I don't know if it makes any difference as to the taste or anything, because I'm really not that experienced with coffee, like I said, but I very much enjoy making it in the morning. You're not there yet, but just wait. Like the final form is is like very, very specific coffee orders, I think. Yes. So my year is 2021, the year of growth, which is focusing like, yes, you think every New Year's resolution. Yes, I would want to grow like what's very creative about that. Maybe nothing is creative here. But I grew in a lot of ways in 2020, yes, but I feel like I was stagnant enough in other areas. So for that reason, I want to kind of like claw back the damage because I feel like there was social damage. There was like some physical health damage. There was damage because I was like not listening to music and not doing a ton with learning music. So my point is like not that I'm, you know, in this deep, dark hole and there's nothing I can do. I had a perfectly fine year. But the question is, can I undo some of like the stagnation and all the stuff I sort of gave up on? Let me sort of get that back is, was, is sort of my idea. Mm more of that plan is going to come into fruition in summer and fall so that's when we can follow up but really i have done a pretty good job again reading which is how where narnia and harry potter comes into things and then for health i've done a really good job honestly i'm i've been very careful with my diet (laughs) it's very careful slash somewhat careful with my diet depending on the day and (laughs) generally exercising every day i've been very happy with you know a good balance of weights a good balance of the bike a good balance of walking and running and that was something that i really sort of established that in 2020 where i would do definitely a few things a week and generally i do things every day except sunday and then sunday might just be like a relaxing walk or something but i'm generally to the point where it's it's a habit. The fact that I started college and online school, I always thought, oh man, I let's say I wake up at eight o'clock, gotta like quick get start working. Like I don't want to fall behind. Mm-hmm. I've gotten good enough at managing my coursework and sort of being used to everything there. It's just a habit right away. I get up and go do something that's exercise right away. It's it's this concept in productivity where you want to eat your frog first. That task that you really don't want to do, that's actually what you should do first. So that way everything else will seem easy by comparison. Like no one wants to eat a frog. That's miserable. But if you do it right away, it's not that bad. Because, you know, you got you just got it done. So everything else is easy. Once you do exercise, it's really not that bad. 
don't, you just sort of do it. And then you get in the habit of doing it right away. Then you have, still have the rest of the day for school and literally anything else you want to do. And that's the, the two main things, reading and health. I'm happy with my progress so far. I like the way that you kind of have a general growth goal, but then have like specific, or at least it sounds specific, like different specific uh, facets of that that you want to like sort of reclaim in your life in a positive sense. So that's really cool, man. I, I like that. So generally the year of growth for me encompassed listening to more music and learning more music. And that really got me thinking about, and of course we talked earlier about Spotify versus Apple music versus what are the differences, similarities there. That really got me thinking when I was talking to my brothers about YouTube recently, how have these many online services changed over time and what is our experience of using them closer to when they came out and what is people's experience using them when they just start fresh using them today? I think the main difference is that services today want to be, and this is Sorry for, we're going to say algorithm and algorithmic a hundred thousand times in this episode. It's like such a buzzword and maybe slightly misused. Basically, all we're talking about is a quick way to say the service wants to find things for you based on your activity. And I mean, again, this is such a, such an annoying word that gets way overused, but we're going to have to use it because the best way of explaining how is this process by which the service finds stuff for you to do versus you seeking things out. That's not based on an algorithm, but stuff being put in front of your face automatically that is similar to what you like, that definitely would be an algorithm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like all services are sort of trending toward more algorithmic based. YouTube is the best example of this. In the old days of YouTube, how I used it and how I still use it to this day. I don't think this is a very common use case, but you might be able to prove me wrong here in a minute. I use it where I have channels, almost a little bit like TV. I basically subscribe to everyone I like, mm -hmm. but I subscribe to people I really love, their content, and then I go in maybe once or twice a week, and then I will watch everything in my subscription box, which is everything that these exact specific people have put out. Then I will occasionally watch something that's suggested, whether that be like an old video from them or something adjacently related. That will generally won't be things I'll subscribe to, but you know, if I have some extra time to burn, I'll just sort of look at the recommendations and so on. But that is like the center of it is my YouTube subscription box. If there's anything that's like, I don't really want to be subscribed to any of this. In the YouTube app, you actually can unsubscribe from there pretty easily. You just click on the three dots and you can actually just make that channel go by by pretty easy. So, and then I was talking to some other people, including my brothers, and it seems like the more popular way to use YouTube now that may, maybe it's just the people I've talked to, but I feel like it's more widespread is just going to YouTube homepage. This, the difference is youtube.com. That's the YouTube homepage, youtube.com slash subscription, something like that. That's your subscription box. So if you're going straight to the homepage, that's going to be quite a bit different than your subscription box. You honestly don't know what you're going to get. It's kind of a blender. It's maybe going to be some subscription things from your people that you like, maybe some recent ones, maybe some old stuff of theirs, maybe some stuff you liked, maybe some stuff in random playlists, maybe just random stuff that's popular, maybe stuff that it thinks you'll like, maybe stuff that it thinks that you might like, and it's just sort of trying out by giving you a couple of them. It's completely random. And that's why I think a lot of YouTube people, like the common thing is, oh, there's a glitch that unsubscribes you and no one sees my content because YouTube doesn't show them, <laughs> doesn't show my videos. I'm pretty sure that's a myth. I think what really happens is that there's a chance your videos won't be widely shown on the homepage and people won't click on them. But in all of my years of using YouTube, I'm 99.99% sure I've never missed anyone's videos I'm subscribed to because they are always in the subscription box. They're never not in the subscription box, as far as I can tell. Like, and again, for all I know, I am missing things and they aren't being sent to the subscription box, but I'm pretty sure when I compare my subscription box to 
all the videos on the channel. Yes, I've seen these because I've subscribed to them anyway. But that's not to say every single one of them would have been on the homepage because sometimes it just decides to put other things there that aren't your subscriptions. My point is, how do you, you use YouTube and what do you think about these two approaches? And I'm coming down firmly on the side of subscription box or bust. But I think that I, that's a losing battle. Yeah, no, I well, that's I haven't really thought about this intentionally in a while. Number one, I chiefly consume YouTube on my phone. I don't know if that makes a difference. I, I hardly ever use my computer um, just because my computer really is for work for me. It's just it's, you know, every canvas and email and obviously other things. But like, I don't I don't consume media like casually for or for, inter, for entertainment purposes on my computer. So it's most chiefly on my phone. Usually what I do, it, it's almost opposite of you, Zachary. It's I get on, I check the homepage and if there's something like I'll scroll for a little bit. If there's something that is interesting, I'll, I'll watch it. But if not, then I'll, I'll just check trending really, really quickly because I usually don't care what's on there, but I'd like to see if you know, the Capitol's been stormed again or something like that, you know, but it's just a very brief check. And then I'll check the subscriptions page because I do this because I'm very sentimental and I follow a lot of people that I loved and I still like who they are, but I don't watch their stuff anymore. And so to be honest, it, it kind of gunks up my subscription uh, page um, and I have to kind of dig for the stuff I want to watch in there. And honestly, I should just unsubscribe the people I don't watch anymore, but I, I kind of hate to because it's like, ah, like I've been subscribed to them for like years now and I, you know, they've changed their content and I don't watch it anymore, but like I still like them. So mostly I'm on the homepage because that's where I can find the most appealing stuff usually unless one of my favorite creators that I subscribe to has put something out. I, I you know, find that in this uh, subscription uh, box. But normally I'm in the uh, the homepage or like if I have a specific interest, I'm, I'm searching for it or looking for the recommended, you know, videos of videos. So, yeah, that that's that's kind of how I consume YouTube at the moment. Um, I, I really do lean on the algorithm quite a lot now that I'm thinking about it. But <laughs> Yeah, that, that's how I do it. I hadn't really thought of trending as a source of news, but you're absolutely right, because if the Capitol is stormed, all like the top five videos are going to have to do with that. I'll occasionally look at it because it can be nice to just sort of be ambiently aware about like, OK, these songs are the popular songs for this week, which maybe you won't listen to them. In fact, you almost certainly won't. But it's kind of nice to know what they are and kind of what's going on there. Yep. And then it can be nice as well to know, is there like a new Black Widow trailer <laughs> or some random, you know, some some big thing that's well known. It, and that can be good to know. There is a justification there to be checking it because that can give you like, if you want a very specific slice of news, that if it's big enough will spill over into world news, that's a pretty good place and a pretty safe place to get. And just read the title. There you go. That's your news. Don't even have to watch anything. And the other thing is like, it's interesting what you say, gunking up your subscription box. That's how I was for a while. And then I kind of, after a while, <laughs> had like an intervention with myself and I said, okay, I think I just burned it down. I said, okay, I'm unsubscribing from every single person here and only the people I can remember off the top of my head that I really like are coming back. Wow. That probably went from like 200 to like 25 or something. Basically, all the people I subscribe to, there are many people I would like to be able to subscribe to, but I can't for a couple of reasons. Maybe they're way too high volume or I like one in 10 of their videos, but nine of them are just completely, I couldn't care less. 
And so I basically want to open the subscription box and I want to safely be able to watch all of the videos and like all of the videos. And like maybe in once in a blue moon, it's like, I'm not interested in it, but nine times out of 10, this is a video I 100% want to watch all the way through, no question. And if I don't, then I'm going to reevaluate whether or not I want to subscribe to them. So anyway, two different approaches. I think I like to be more specific about it, but it's not necessarily right or wrong. It's just sort of what works for you. Yep. Yep. For sure. I don't know. I, I probably should do something like that and just because like I'm scrolling right now, I'm just checking it because I'm thinking about it. And, you know, for the purpose of this of this podcast, okay, I just found something that I'd like to watch after scrolling through uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve things. So I scrolled through all of that down to one thing that I'd kind of like to watch, but not even really. Glowing review. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it's more about showing my support to the uh, creators or like, like you said, like sometimes occasionally there'll be a video I want to watch, but like you, okay, well, that's a great example. I'm going to unfollow this channel because I don't ever, I don't think I've watched one of their videos in, in years. So they're gone. Wow. Well, now I might just do this. <laughs> Marie Kondo, your YouTube channels. Joe, hold the YouTube channel in your hand, and if it sparks joy, you should keep it. And if not, unsubscribe. Yes. Okay, I hate... number. <laughs> okay, two things. I, just to <laughs> rant for a second. I hate the like stupid community post things that they can do now. Oh, yeah, those are the stupidest things in the entire universe. I just... I can't. I hate it so much. Have you seen the thing where it's like, break the YouTube algorithm by... If you make community posts, then YouTube will automatically show your community posts and your videos to way more people than would be shown otherwise, which I think contributes to people are just sort of trying this out. Oh. If YouTube does introduce a new feature, they do want to reward you for using it. Otherwise, people would never use new features. True. So it makes sense. If I can get like a free 30% boost to this video by advertising it in community, something like that, or making a poll or something, then then people will be driven to my channel. Okay. But I wish you could turn it off. It's yeah. so annoying. I never want to see this ever. Get rid of it. Delete. Yep. Okay. Yes. I wish I could turn those off. I wish I could turn the stupid stories off. Yeah. And I wish that we could go back to when the videos looked smaller. Yeah. Agreed. I like the big ones, but like, I wish I could see more on my screen at one time. Um, it's really sad. I really, really, really hate it. Personally, I'm living in the non-YouTube red area, so I see ads all the time, which is also not very fun for me. But... Yeah, it's just not, I really don't like the way that YouTube has gone in recent years, but hey, what are you going to do, you know? Yeah, it's a hard life we live having to deal with these two big YouTube videos. Yes, it is. I think I when I started watching YouTube around like maybe 2009 or 2010, it was just so different back then. Mm -hmm. Not only was the design different, a lot of like the content was different. It was just more like simple content, I feel. More people talking in front of cameras. But like all the production quality was garbage. No mm. one knew. There was no like MKBHD. If, or if there was, he was like making stuff in his basement with a potato camera. Yep. <laughs> no one knew what they were doing. There was just terrible production qualities. And like none of the comments were memes either. The memes were just like, you know, Susan Smith typing random stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was just so different. And there was none of this, like, mm -hmm. I'm sure there was algorithmic stuff to some extent, but I think the recommendation engine was trash enough that people typically didn't use it and they just subscribed. And honestly, I, if I remember correctly, the homepage more or less was exactly what you're subscribed to. But anyway, yeah, different time, different place, different time. Yes, I, I really miss that era of YouTube. But what are you going to do? And I think that goes back to YouTube is almost trying to capitalize a little bit on TikTok success, where it's like we're constantly showing you new things again the stories in the vertical stuff like the vertical short videos there's they're definitely ripping off like the short attention span of the youth they're like how can we not have you look for things how can we show you things and just keep you on here forever mm -hmm. at like mildly entertained which i think is a bad direction for society to go but 
what you're gonna do you've talked about it before but like I really like the way that you think about it. And I guess CGP Grey has talked about this before, but just like... <laughs> Bingo. Right? <laughs> or no. Okay, actually, no, wait a second. Uh, I, there's a channel I, I like, which is called Exerbia. Oh, yeah. He makes really nice videos as well. And he made a video about the internet and how to, like he like went back to using it for fun and not like a crutch. In the video, he talked about how he would only look at it once he had done the things he needed to do and he wouldn't just mindlessly scroll and and it became fun again and i really like that idea of like you know what i'm not just gonna watch this video because i'm afraid of my own like boredom Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do the things i want to do and when i want to get on and when i want to watch stuff i will watch stuff but if i don't really feel like i want to do that and it's just like an escape like i'm not gonna do that because that's not that's not what it's for i mean it's for I mean, that's what it's being capitalized as, especially with stuff like TikTok. I mean, I think I think I read this somewhere that humans now have a worse attention span than a literal goldfish. Oh, no. Because, yeah, I mean, the way that we're conditioned now is just... Anyway, that's a whole different thing. But I really like the idea of, of going back to really trying to enjoy the, um, the internet for what it was, for what it can be. The other thing I thought about was how... Instagram has also gone the same direction where in the olden days, it would just be literally reverse chronological, aka the new stuff is at the top, the old stuff is at the bottom, you can scroll forever and it'll just keep showing you old stuff in order, the end. Mm -hmm. And then they sort of gave you a slow burn in the sense that now we're going to rearrange things based on who do you interact with the most. For example, if you always like these photos, okay, we'll show you slightly above, which to me is like, please don't mess with it. Just show me it in the exact order that that it came out in no other mm-hmm. order and like don't mess with it don't try to be smart and and change the order and like high stuff and show certain stuff multiple times it just I, all i want is show the exact order now the app is terrible because everyone you follow it will show you like an algorithmic view of what's new and then it will show stuff just random stuff it thinks you like after that after like four or five and that's garbage yep and then if you leave the app and come back after a while now those like five things that were recent they're just gone you can't find them anymore they're gone forever yep i guess you would have to remember who posted them and go back to their page to look at it yeah, it, it's complete trash. Yep, I would agree. It, you can actually get around it by going to the desktop version and logging in. They don't have anything there. They literally have reverse chronological there. So for that reason, I think I will generally only look at it on on the desktop because I'm tired of tired of it messing with the the chronological aspect of things. In conclusion, basically, my opinion is that services have changed over time from the find stuff yourself method to the will find stuff for you method, and that's where algorithms come in, and that's just where machines being smart comes in. And I don't know what I think about this. I kind of want to go back to 2008 where you just found stuff yourself because I get nervous when the machines have too much control because I don't want them to take over the world. Exactly. That's that's the thing is like YouTube went from a place that was a creative place to a advertising place because now it's a boom and it's advertisers realize that um, I I was in my advertising class today and we had the two uh, faculty members from IU studios who are in charge of the out of state marketing campaign, come in and talk about how they did ads on YouTube and Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram and Spotify even. And YouTube is no longer a place for pure creativity. YouTube is a place where you have best case scenario ads are like a crutch that, that the, creativity is sort of suspended on and in worst case scenarios it's 
like you get a five second ad every three minutes in a, you know, 20 minute video. And it's like, like, what are we living in? You know what I mean? It's, it's insane. So I I don't really know how I feel about it either because it's like, it's, it's kind of scarily advanced, you know? Yeah. And this is kind of what we see as being a problem when services don't have any competition whatsoever. You can kind of argue, well, Twitter has to do a good job because you don't want Instagram to take all the attention away. And TikTok has to do a good job because they don't want YouTube to take all the attention away. So you can kind of argue in that vein, there's some competition, but in the sense of where do you go to watch videos and actually have people watch you and where are all the people? YouTube is the only game in town. And this is far from my own original opinion. People have noticed this and talked about this for years, but including CGP great. No, (laughs) people noticed this and talked about this for years, but it's true. And no no change has been made that like the second most popular video service is probably Vimeo, I want to say, but even that that's more like for businesses and educational use and it's not algorithmic it's just like here's a place to store your hd video content and where you can send a link to people and they can watch it yep and so there's literally no other game in town and i see why there wouldn't be because you just need ridiculous millions and billions of dollars to get a service off the ground that can host stupid amounts of video content that get uploaded like some ridiculous 10 hours you're getting uploaded every second or something like how do you even buy hard drives fast enough i don't know the problem is there's just no competition in town and even if there was even like one other service that did give me a chronological and like guaranteed to to see my subscription box and like a app with smaller videos i would just switch there in a heartbeat okay i'm done and then i guess you'd have to get people to move over it's just kind of like People see YouTube as why fix it if it isn't broken, but I see it as you always want there to be competition because there's not competition, things get super bad super quick and you're just, if you want to watch videos, sorry, you you have to do it. Like there are lots of sort of nerdy people who want to like sort of give up Google because they're like, Google's creepy and sort of, you know, scans all of your email and takes all of your personal data hostage and so on. It's like, yeah, but if in order to be a student and a functioning member of society, you pretty much have to use Google. There's no other game in town that can give you videos working search (laughs) it has to be working working search that gives you what you want and somewhat free file storage somewhat free cloud document storage yeah they're the only game in town it's sort of uh similar to me um what happened with netflix because for a while i would say strongly from like 2012 to 2015 14 for a good two years at least netflix was the only streaming service out there that was good and it was the place where friends was it was the place where the office was like doctor who everything was on netflix i don't think it was there long enough to be like youtube obviously now there's i can name at least eight different streaming services and i think that's healthy because it it, it inspires competition inspires better products for the consumer but with youtube the way that it is it's it would be virtually impossible to to start something else like it unless you convinced several top tier creators to switch over. So I think that we're kind of just stuck with the way that YouTube is because there's not an incentive to be better because there's no competition, which is kind of really unfortunate, to be honest. I think the closest thing is Nebula, if you've ever heard of it, which is essentially it's not trying to compete in YouTube in the sense of there's a lot of people here. It's trying to compete on you really like these creators here's where to get more videos from them and get videos early and so and get special documentaries and so on uh i'm not sure if you've heard of it cgp gray used to be part of it i don't think he is anymore but there are several creators that are part of the streaming service called nebula where you go 
to the website but essentially it gets split up all the money get goes directly to the creators it's not really a middleman situation huh. you get the same videos that would be on youtube but i think you will get extended versions and obviously ad free versions because you're paying money and potentially you know it's just straight up exclusive documentaries and exclusive content from time to time that's honestly i think the closest to a youtube competition but even that is not competing necessarily because it has 0.001 percent as many users as youtube so yeah it's a, it's a hard problem Thanks, Jake. Jake just popped in and gave me a little, uh, my, my favorite thing in the world. He gave me an oatmeal cream pie. What a fun impromptu thing.